Welcome to the Serve Hour. Insightful, provocative, opinion-shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn. It's that time again. Welcome to the Serve Hour and a conversation that matters. Wherever you are and however you may be listening, thank you for making us part of your day. I'm Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour, and I invite you to participate with me in today's conversation. If you're listening live, call me. The number is 866-472-5790 or... If you're more comfortable emailing me, you can reach me at jblackburn at serve, and that's spelled S-U-R-V-E, partners.com. If you're listening to our podcast, please feel free to email me at jblackburn at servepartners.com. Today's conversation topic, your eagle's eye, ally or adversary. And I hope we can get to it because we have received numerous emails requesting more information regarding our weekly conversation topics about personal and professional growth. Also requests about the word serve and its origin, which we touched on in our first broadcast back in early June. And finally, I wasn't able to finish last week's conversation about the success quadrants that I had our listeners draw and the story of a man who for all but two years of his life lived in quadrant two and quadrant one, and then in his last two years of life moved to quadrant three and quadrant four. So where to begin today is my dilemma. Let's begin with the purpose of our broadcast. Everything we discuss during the serve hour is to help you not only survive, but to thrive in your unpredictable, uncertain, and rapidly changing world, both personally and professionally. This means to assist you as an individual, to assist you in ways that help you influence the people with whom you work, to assist you in ways that help you influence the organizations you lead, and to assist you in ways that help you influence the people you love and care about. How do we do this? First, we help you notice, and I want you to really pay attention to that word. We help you notice what holds you captive to your past as well as what needs to be seen for you to have a future of endless possibilities. Actually, our topic for today addresses this head-on, your eagle's eye, ally or adversary, left unmanaged, it will hold you captive to your past. And don't forget the R.D. Lang quote that we mentioned in our first broadcast. The range of what you think and do is limited by what you fail to notice. And because you fail to notice, that you fail to notice, there is very little you can do to change until you notice that failing to notice limits all that you think and do. So I'm here to help you notice that you don't notice, and as a result, that you are contributing to much of your struggles by being held captive to your past. Secondly, 
We help you bring to life your dormant thoughts and ideas that are resting deep within you, as well as promote your potential that you have yet to experience. We touched on this when we discussed how to promote the value and potential of people, the achievers, burnout syndrome and how to eliminate it, a critically important responsibility of leaders that is too often overlooked, and the unspoken truth about transformational change. And finally, we help you clarify your beliefs that matter, as well as reinforce your self-trust and your commitment to reaching new heights. We addressed this during our conversation about the unspoken truth, about the consequences of success, addressing the leadership void in business and beyond, the double-edged sword called success, and today we will be discussing your eagle's eye. Is it your ally or your adversary? Now, what about the word serve? It's spelled S-U-R-V-E, and if you look for it in the dictionary, you won't find it. What's its origin? Years ago, I was reading a book by Charles Handy titled The Age of Paradox. And in that book, I discovered what he referred to as the serve curve. And if you can take a capital S and turn it on its side and look at that drawing at the upper left point, Handy referred to that as the beginning of life. And when life begins, then there is a period of decline in dependency and then there's growth, and then it peaks and falls, and it dies. And he referred to this as all life, whole societies, businesses, individuals, plant life, etc. And the question that he posed for the reader was, if that's the way life is for a business or a person or a relationship, how do you sustain it? And the answer is that you begin a new curve. Most people think that you begin the curve right at the peak of the first curve. If you look at this, you'll see that you can't do that. And the reason is you won't know you're at the peak until you're on your way down. The second choice that I hear is start the new curve on the way down. And that's problematic because you're losing resources there's a loss of confidence in leadership. Your health has gone south on you. There are any number of reasons why you're not going to have the energy to make that work. So you have to start it on the way up. Well, if you look at this, on the way up, when the curve, new curve starts, it starts down. And people on that first curve, if we're talking about a business, are saying, what are we doing? Things are good. Business is good. We're growing. Why are we trying this new idea or this new adventure? The same in relationships. The same for your personal health. When it begins, there's a period of decline and dependency. Now, as you draw that, hopefully the second curve crosses the first curve on its way up just as the first curve is starting down. That's called the sigmoid curve concept. And when I began my practice 20-some years ago, I didn't know what I would be calling it, but the idea of my practice is based on this curve. 
that second curve, when it begins and goes down and starts back up, is referred to by the underbelly. It's the transitional part of change. And all transition begins with endings, as you can see, and it ends with beginnings, as you can see. So I had the idea that I would be calling my practice Sigmoid Curve Leadership. And a good friend of mine said, Jim, I wouldn't go there. It sounds too much like a colonoscopy. And I responded with, well, you know what? In fact, it probably feels like a colonoscopy. He said, I still wouldn't go there. So what I ended up doing was sleeping on that. And the next morning, I decided to take the C off of curve and move the S from sigmoid and put it on U-R-V-E. And I looked the word up, and it didn't exist. So that's the origin. Serve partners is my practice, and you are listening to the serve hour. Now... Let's go back to last week's topic. And by the way, if you have any questions on that, again, don't hesitate to email or call. Going back to last week's topic, the double-edged sword called success, I had listeners draw what we call the success quadrants. So let's quickly go, that, go back and do that so I can finish the story about the man living in quadrant two and quadrant one most of his life, and then moving to quadrant three and four in the last two years of his life. If you would, draw a horizontal line through the middle of a blank page, and on the left side of that line, write the words, have little or nothing. And on the right side of that line, write the word, have a lot, everything. Now, one of the reasons that people do what they do is to have. You say have what? Have stuff, income, lifestyle, family, stuff. So that first line is called have, and if you look at it, and if I were to ask you where is success on the line, if you're like most people, you'll say it's more to the right. Now, let's draw a vertical line down through the center. And at the top of that vertical line, I want you to put fulfillment, meaning, peace, joy, and love. And at the bottom of the vertical line, I want you to put anxious, fearful, dread, anger. Now, below the horizontal line, along that vertical line, write the word prove. This is the second reason we do what we do. The first is to have. And the problem with that is that that's all you focus on, you'll never have enough. The second reason is to prove. And you say to prove what? For me, it was to prove that I was good enough. And when you're proving, you have a high need to be right, you're argumentative, you're difficult to be around, and if you notice, your predominant feelings are anxiousness, fearful, dread, and anger. Now let's go above the horizontal line. On the vertical line, write the word B, B-E. What does that mean? That means how you be is who you are. 
And we discussed what we called the achievement formula, which most people have as, if I do, I will have, and when I have, I can be. And we helped our listeners last week understand that formula doesn't work. And what needs to be in place there is to first be who you are, then do, and then have. Now, as you notice, the feelings above the line predominantly are fulfillment, meaning, peace, joy, and love. And the idea here is how to live above the line. And the story I was sharing last week was about a man who was in quadrant two for most of his life, high achiever, college football player, played in the NFL, went into sales after his football career, made lots of money, but he lived on the edge, had a high need to prove, was constantly in arguments, had a high need to be right. And as, as a result of that lifestyle, he ended up losing everything, family, money, relationships. He was completely down and out. So over he went to quadrant one. Then on his 60th birthday, he became extremely ill, was rushed to the hospital, and was given at most two years to live. The diagnosis, of course, was cancer, and it was widespread through his body. Now, what happens next is the point that I want to make. His sister went to see him. No one else from his family did, but his younger, or I'm sorry, his older sister went to see him and saw that he was living one step above being homeless. So she decided to take him in. And in doing so, he began to reassemble family. Remember, up above, it's about feelings, fulfillment, meaning, feeling valued. I'm embarrassed to say I was part of the family, and I didn't do anything to help. But not long after she took him in, I went to see him. And when I sat with him, and it was tense because I hadn't talked with him in at least five years, I finally asked him if he was fearful. And he said, fearful? What would I be afraid of? And I said, well, for starters, why don't we try dying? And he just looked at me. And he said, I'm not afraid of dying. And then he said, but I don't want to die too soon. And I said, that's an interesting comment. What's too soon? And he looked away. And I could feel the tension. And when he looked back, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, Jim, I have been screwed up all my life. And ever since I was a little boy, I've been asking God, why would you create someone like me? Why would you have someone like me doing all the things that I've been doing? I have no idea why I'm here. Well, that conversation ended, but our relationship began again. And as I found that I was listening to him on a regular basis, and it was usually by phone because he was in Ohio and I was in North Carolina, I found that after each of my conversations, I would be laughing 
And when I visited him, I found that all the people around him would be laughing, even his doctors, the other patients, the nurses, and our family. And then it hit me. I know why he's here. So I went to see him as he was recovering from one of his surgeries. And we were in the James Cancer Clinic up in Columbus, Ohio. And I went in and I said, hey, I think I know why you're here. And he looked at me and he says, why? And I said, I think you're here to help people like me learn how to laugh, to laugh out loud. I think you're here to help serious people like me see the importance in life through laughter. And he looked away, then looked back at me, and with a very straight face said, how do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? And he asked that because he played football at the University of Kentucky and was living in Lexington when my sister found him. I thought about it for a minute. Louisville or Louisville? And I said, I'll go with Louisville. He shook his head and said, no, it's Frankfurt. Now, with that, I'm being told by Brad, my engineer, that we're coming up on a break. So I think this would be a good time to break. And you are listening to the Serve Hour. You're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with Jim Blackburn. And we have been clarifying topics of prior broadcast, and when we come back, we will jump into the topic of your eagle's eye, ally or adversary. We will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. We have been responding to requests for clarity of topics for prior from prior broadcasts, and we want to be introducing you to your eagle's eye. But before I jump into that, let me also add to the story that I was sharing with you before the break about my brother. He inspired me so much that as he was dying, I dedicated my first book to him, and I dedicated it with these words, leave no trace upon the earth but the footprints of your compassion and the echoes of your laughter. And as you can feel it in my voice now, although this was six years ago, I still have been so greatly impacted by his influence as he was dying. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host. We are now going to jump into the topic of your eagle's eye. What's this, you ask? It's our ability to see as an eagle sees. You are aware that eagles are renowned for their superior vision, aren't you? Well, this superiority means much more than seeing greater distances or seeing more clearly. Each eye of the eagle sees and possesses two separate and distinctly different images simultaneously. Now, because their eyes are on the sides of their heads, they're actually seeing four distinctly different images. I would equate it to being in a sports bar, watching four different televisions. This is made possible for the eagle by two centers of focus on the retinas of each of the eyes. And it allows the eagle then to see its prey while simultaneously keeping its focus on the horizon. Believe it or not, you have the ability to see as the eagle sees. That's right. You can focus, and you do, on two separate images simultaneously. This is about observing the world around you with your human sight. We call that current reality. While deep within yourself, seeing a different world through the interpretation of your mind's eye which I affectionately call your eagle's eye. And for each of us, this is different. In fact, when you think about it, and I don't know how many people are listening to this broadcast, but I can guarantee you there is not one person listening who is hearing and learning and seeing the same things that others are. And it is because of our mind's eye. This is critically important to be aware of and to understand. What I want to do now is talk about the importance of managing the mind's eye. The interpretation is based on history. 
And as I said earlier, if you ignore it, if it's unmanaged, it will hold you captive to your past. What happens? What we tend to do because of the mind's eye is to react to situations. This is usually an urgent, it's usually a spontaneous way of reacting. And notice the word react, R-E, re, hyphen, act. We are playing out our past. This is what's being called held captive to your past. And this happens in various situations, and it happens with various relationships. When managed, when we can manage the mind's eye, we respond instead of react. Notice the different words. React. We're behaving based on our past. Respond is responsible. We're taking responsibility. And we are responding to things based on conscious choices. Now, let me give you some examples of this. Years ago, I would be, as a management person, extremely upset for people who would come into meetings late. And because of my mind's eye, I would tend to overreact to that. And it would be disruptive to the rest of the people in the meeting. It would not enhance my relationship with the people that were late. And it would throw me off completely. And then one day, my operations manager asked me, why do I get so upset? And I said, well, sure. Can't you see they're late? They're always late, and I'm just not going to accept that. And she said to me, Jim, I can see that they're late. I understand that they're late, but it's not doing to me what it's doing to you. What is it doing to you? What my mind's eye was telling me is this person was being disrespectful to me. What my mind's eye was telling me that this person was not the person that I wanted to have a relationship because of that disrespect. That was the interpretation. Let me share another example of how the mind's eye plays with you. Whenever I have to do anything, call on or meet with a person that has position power, my pulse quickens. My breathing quickens. Why is that? It's my mind's eye at play again. And this is all based on my history of being a poor student in school, being called to the principal's office a lot, constantly being in trouble. So managing the mind's eye is the challenge here. And we're going to define that as personal and professional growth. I want you to get your hands around this. A lot of people talk about personal growth, professional growth, and they say, well, I'm going to seminars. I'm taking courses. And I'm going to tell you flat out right now, knowledge, new knowledge, learning new skills, learning new capabilities is not contributing to your professional growth. It's not causing the change necessary for you to continue to evolve. What we define as growth is relating to same situations, same relationships, same things differently, and then relating to new situations, 
new relationships, and new things. It's becoming more influential. Now, how does this evolve? Well, remember, the mind's eye holds you captive to your past. So if you're in management or if you're in sales, how you relate to disappointment, underperforming employees, resistance from prospective customers, competition, your job, in certain relationships that we refer to as obligational, i.e., they take from you, and others that are opportunistic, they energize you. The question is always, and this is what I ask the people I work with, is how you're relating to this situation working. And the reason I ask it that way is they typically say to me, I don't see what's wrong with behaving the way I am. The person is, is dysfunctional or the person isn't performing, et cetera, et cetera, and I believe they need to be made aware of it. And my response back is, that's fine as long as it's working for you. What's changing as you continually relate to this particular situation and the fact that you're continually relating to it over and over and over again. So what's the problem here? The first thing I want to stress is understanding the differences between what we call solvable problems, crises, symptoms of deeper problems, and symbols of problems. This is important for you to get your hands around, so I'm going to ask you to draw this. Take a moment and draw a, a large square on a piece of paper or on your iPad, and then what I want you to do is to draw a horizontal line through the middle and a vertical line down through the middle of the upper and lower line. In the lower left box. You should have four boxes now. I want you to write the word solvable problem. Now, what I want you to do, if you go to the left vertical line, at the upper part of that line, the very top point, I want you to write the word high, and down at the bottom point where it intersects with the bottom horizontal line, I want you to write the word low, and then over to the right, on the lower horizontal line, I want you to write the word high again. I want you to label the lower line, horizontal line, repetition. And I want you to label the vertical line on the left, emotion. So if you look at the lower left box where you wrote in solvable problem, you can see it's low repetition, low on emotion. Now, above that box, write the word crisis. That's in the upper left-hand box. What's a crisis? Well, in problem solving, emotions are high. Can you see that? Repetition is low. A crisis is when you're blindsided. You get a call. A family member has been rushed to the hospital. You're driving to work. You're in an automobile accident. Crisis Low repetition, high emotion. Now, the two boxes to the right are the boxes that I want you to get your hands around. The first one 
the lower right box, I'm going to refer to as symptoms. Put the word symptom in there. High repetition, low emotion. Now, here's the problem. Most people that I'm working with tend to spend all their time dealing with symptoms, which means they are not getting to the solvable problem. Let me give you an example of this. Years ago, I had a woman in, on my staff who was in our client service area. She could never get to work on time. We talked to her about it. She always pledged that she would correct the situation. Couldn't do it. We changed her start time. We backed it up a half an hour so that she would be able to get in. And as you might imagine, she would come in still 15, 20 minutes late. We gave her flex hours, but she could never come in when she was scheduled to work. She was always 10, 15 minutes late. So I thought about this, and I talked to the operations manager about it, and we sat down with her, and we asked her to help us understand what was going on, that we knew she was very competent, she was smart, she did an adequate job, she wasn't a superstar, but we said, what is going on? What's the problem here? What we learned was that she really wanted to change careers. She wanted to go into law enforcement. And what she was doing was spending her evenings riding in patrol cars as shotgun or passenger and getting home at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. And we said to her, thank you for helping us understand this. Let's deal with this in a productive way. How can we help you become a police officer and move on and help us solve our problem of getting the work done that we're counting on you doing. So that, that's an example. Another example of a symptom, if you think about school children and a child, let's say, that is very intelligent but getting poor grades, instead of addressing, are you doing your homework? Why aren't you doing better on the test? Why aren't you turning in your homework, et cetera, et cetera? What we would want to do, and what most good teachers do, is go to the core of the problem and move it over into a solvable problem. Are there issues with sight, with hearing? Are there issues at home? Now, let's go to the upper left box. This box really had its hands around me for most of my adult life, and quite frankly, when I was younger. This box we're going to call symbols. This is symbols. Symbols are things that are occurring that are causing you to feel the emotions that you have felt from situations gone by. Give you an example. Many years ago, I was working with a group of consultants, and there was a woman in the group that was very outspoken, highly opinionated, had a high need to be right, very argumentative, and had the ability to push pretty much any button that I had available she could push. And I finally lost it one day and just blew up, 
and said numerous things to her that I can't repeat here on this broadcast. And one of the other members of our group said, Jim, what in the world is going on with you? And I said, well, can't you see what this person is doing? She's this, she's that, she's all of these things. And he said, of course I can see that. But it's not doing to me what it's doing to you. So I thought about this for quite a while. And over time, I realized I had some unfinished business from my youth with a person with the same characteristics that I had suppressed for many, many years. And what happens to us as adults is these symptoms show up and trigger suppressed emotions that you've been holding on to, that you have been uh, suppressing, if you will. And understand, this takes a lot of energy. And when the emotions come out, they explode. So I got my hands around the fact that I was dealing with some unfinished business from someone from my past. It was one of my parents. And once I realized that, once I became aware of that, I was able to take responsibility with how I related to that type of person versus reacting to that type of person. I hope that makes sense. This is called problem-solving model. The idea in the model is to enlarge the lower left box solvable problems by reducing the sizes of the upper right box, the lower right box, and hopefully the upper left box where we have crises. Now it's time for us to take another short break. I want to remind you that this is the serve hour. You're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with Jim Blackburn, and we are now discussing your eagle's eye, ally or adversary. When we come back, I want to share some more thinking about how to manage this interesting phenomenon, your mind's eye. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of The Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. You are listening to the Voice America Business Channel the Serve Hour. I'm Jim Blackburn, and I'm discussing with you the eagle's eye concept, ally or adversary. During our break, I actually got an email that I want to address right now because it's touching on what I was speaking about before we went to break. It's from Brad, and he says, so what happened to the woman that was habitually late? Brad, I'm really pleased to tell you that we helped her move on. She went to the police academy in Cleveland, Ohio. I lost track of her until one evening when I was coming home rather late, driving through the city, and in front of the Cleveland Greyhound bus station, there were a number of patrol cars with lights flashing. And lo and behold, I look over, and there's a fellow standing with his hands on the hood of his car being frisked by this policewoman. And I don't think I'm going to have to tell you that was my former employee. I couldn't have been more excited in that moment. I've also got another email here that's kind of interesting, and I want to just take a minute and address that. I've been talking to you primarily from the point of view of being in leadership and management. And I have an, um, a request here from Anne asking me if this, what we're talking about, and I'm paraphrasing her email, cannot, wouldn't it also apply to our children, how we relate to our children and to our significant others, our spouses? And the answer to that is absolutely. We, you want to remember the power of the mind's eye has each one of us seeing same things differently. Whether we're a 15-year-old and a 35-year-old parent, or whether we're a 45-year-old manager and a 21-year-old worker, it doesn't matter. The mind's eye is helping us interpret what we're seeing. And the question should always be, is that view working for you? The other thing you want to remember is that when someone expresses their point of view, because of the mind's eye, that view is valid. It may be different than yours, but what you don't want to say is you're wrong. What you want to say is, I understand you have that view. I don't share it. I have a different view. I'm back to when I 
my middle son was a freshman or sophomore in high school, and he had, with a number of his friends, been caught cutting school. So I sat down with him, and I said to him, we don't want you doing that anymore. And, of course, I heard that, Dad, everybody's doing it. That's the thing. All my buddies are doing it. So I said, okay, I understand that's your view. I don't share it. Now, this is what you need to think about as a parent. You need to establish boundaries. So I said to him, if you choose to continue to follow that point of view, these will be the consequences. Consequences are not necessarily punishments. In this case, it was. Consequences are simply results of the actions that we take. So here I am talking to this 14 or 15-year-old, my son, but instead of me saying to him, you can't, I'm not going to allow it, and literally trying to manage him, which I couldn't do, I said, all right, here's the deal. If you continue to do this, this will be the consequences. And if you do it more, the consequences will become more severe. So absolutely, what we're talking about here definitely plays out in our personal lives. Now, I want to share something else with you. And this affects the power of the mind's eye. And I want to call this the fact that we all have choices. And in saying that, and I want you to think now, as a management person, you have employees, let's say, who are underperforming. They're smart, they're capable, you know they're, they can get it done, but they're underperforming. If you change how you relate to that by understanding they're making choices, and if you relate to it differently by you making a conscious choice, your effectiveness will exponentially increase. So here's what I want you to think about. When people feel pressure, pain, or they're, they're exhilarated, they're, they're over-the-top excited, they tend to return to what they know. Give you an example. I was talking with a woman who had a weight issue, and she had lost all the weight, and it had all come back. And one of the things that came up in conversation was a belief that she had that was, we eat as a way of celebrating. When there's a birthday, we have a party, we have food. When someone graduates, we go out, we eat. And my question to her was, is that belief, now remember, this is the mind's eye applied, serving you well. Are you aware that that belief is actually sabotaging your attempts at losing weight. And surprisingly, she was surprised. So that's how subtle this can be. So what I want you to think about, again, pull out a little piece of paper, write the word choices right in the middle, put a circle around it, and then what I want you to do is to draw a horizontal line to the right and then a right angle, go down a little bit, and pause there, and this is what I want you to write. Old, safe, familiar, where that line stopped. 
And what this diagram is telling you is that when you're feeling pressure, pain, you tend to go back to your old, say, familiar. Now, this happens all the time in management. When I was a young sales manager and sales were down, what would I do? I would go back to what I knew, which was sales. Now, I disguised it. I said, let me go show you how to do this. Let's go out and make some joint calls together. See how to do this? My ego was stroked. They would say yes, etc. Nothing changed. So the idea here then is when you make a choice, instead of following that line down, right at the point where the line starts down, draw another vertical line up. And above, where you stop that line, write the word new, and then the, the letters capital R, capital E, capital A, capital L. New real. That's an acronym, and I'm going to explain it. And down where I had old, safe, familiar, write that same acronym, only put old. So here's what you should be looking at. The word choices a line going right and down, which takes you to your old reel, and up from the word choices, a line going to the right and then up, and the word new reel. Now, here's what this acronym stands for. Relating relationships, experience, experiment, attitude, in learning. Again, relating relationships, experience, experiment, attitude, or mindset, and learning. So, now, let's take a look at this. Person is late for my meetings. Where do I go? My old reel. I would become hostile. I would sabotage the meeting. I would have other people sitting on the edge of their chair, et cetera, et cetera. The question for me as a manager, is that working for you? Now, my response in the moment would be, well, it sure feels good. But truthfully, no, it wasn't working. So then the question would be, is there a different way, Jim, for you to relate to that same situation? Remember what, how I defined personal and professional growth earlier. It's relating to same situations, same relationships, same things differently. It's becoming more influential. So the question would be, Jim, is that working for you? The answer would be no. Why isn't it working? I'm upsetting everyone. I'm sabotaging the meeting. And I'm distancing myself from this particular employee. How can you relate differently? Well, there's any number of ways. Now think again. What I want to remind you is what I was doing before was reacting. What I'm doing now, I'm pushing myself to be more responsive. How can I relate to this same person differently? Maybe I need a different relationship in that role. What is the experience going to be? How can it be different? What is my attitude or what is my mindset? Well, the prior attitude and mindset was the person's being disrespectful. I need to create a new attitude. One is, 
Why do I take that personally? And that's when a lot of managers get into trouble. It's when a lot of employees get into trouble. When they're giving or taking feedback, it's personal. It's not. You want to be able to say to your employee, this isn't about who you are. This is about what you're doing. What you're doing is defining who you are, but I'm talking about the doing. And I'm challenging you because I believe you can do different and become more effective. Now we're back to promoting the value and potential of the individual. This is not about chewing them out. This is not about becoming hostile, etc. It's called contributing to the individual. If they respond, great. If they don't, you have other choices. And this is a thing that really amazes me. I have people that complain about employees, and they've been complaining about them for years. I've run into employees that complain about their employer, and they've been complaining about them for years. And I go, why? How is that helping you? I have one very, very successful salesperson for a national firm. When I say very successful, he was the leading salesperson year in and year out, was continually finding fault with the employer and expressing a lot, a lot of low trust and dislike. And I said, so, so why are you working here? Well, I have to. You know, I've been here 25 years. <laughs> and my response is, so you're not employable? You can't find something somewhere else? And the idea, again, here is helping him to notice. Remember, the range of what we think and do is limited by what we fail to notice. And because we fail to notice that we fail to notice, it limits all that we think and do. And he was not noticing that he was in a relationship with an employer. He was full of blame. He was full of righteousness. And what I was able to do was to say to him, if that's who you're choosing to be with, accept them for who they are. Relate to them differently. What difference does it make what they're doing in corporate? You're out here. You're independent. Let go of this. Now, I can get into a much deeper explanation of all that, which I won't. But the important thing here, again, is to put into play professional, personal growth, relating to same things, same situations, same people differently. It's responding as opposed to reacting. And here's what happens. When you get on this growth kit, when you get on this process of changing how you're behaving, how you're relating, etc., guess what? You create a whole new identity. People start seeing you differently. Now, the people who like to be right about you and who like to find fault with you might say, oh, you're just sucking up the management. <laughs> and I, I say, what do you mean by that? Well, they're just being political. And I say, so they're trying to get ahead? Yes. And, and what's the problem with that? People, as you're changing, are going to try to pull you back to who you used to be. So you've got the choices. Your drawing takes you down to the old safe, familiar, the old, R-E-A-L, real. If you take that line further down and then go left, I'm going to have you draw a box here, right under the word choices down there at the bottom, write status quo. What happens 
is that old way of behaving creates status quo. We are 30 seconds from closing. I'm going to finish this story with our next broadcast. And with that, I'm going to say you're listening to the Serve Hour on Voice America Business. It's Jim Blackburn, and I hope I was able to help you some with our talk today. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Serve Hours Provocative Conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.